My name is Dominic Norton, and I am the podcast host of Hackathon Entertainment, the show where we bring you the story behind every hack. For those new to the show, or hackathons in general, a hackathon is a collaborative 48-hour event where participants, called hackers, come together to solve the world's toughest problems. You'll be surprised, excited, and amazed with the solutions people are developing all across the world. If you listened to the show before, you'll be excited to know we're in for another great one. In this episode, we'll be talking to Dima Sirutokin, a PhD student researching self-managing organizations and co-founder of Panda Training. Panda Training is an award-winning micro-coaching startup that supports management teams in strategy execution and people development. Dima has some amazing insights on innovation, management, and hackathons in general. I hope you enjoy the show. So I'm, um, I'm originally from Ukraine. Uh, I moved to Finland for my studies um, after high school, basically. And um, I got recruited into a student organization called ISEC. So some of you might have heard, it's a global student-run organization, one of the biggest in the world. And um, because it's student-run, the turnover is so high that they need to train people a lot. So I got into training, uh, became a trainer myself, attended a few conferences that like really changed my life. And I, I could see, you know, that there is a huge, um, human potential that is untapped, yeah. uh, where we don't realize, you know, what, what is really meaningful for us? We don't realize what we are passionate about, mm-hmm. what are our fears? How do we overcome those? Um, so that kind of like reflection plus community, uh, was a big thing for me. And, um, I think that eventually led me to starting my, my uh, startup. Uh, which which has to do with um, coaching and organizations. So trying mm-hmm. to scale coaching uh, as as an approach, making it you know five to fifty times cheaper. So it's not only an executive coaching, so to say. And um, right now, related to sort of this podcast, I'm also um, an advisor of um, Growth Club, which is a community of founders uh, where founders sort of help each other, uh, coach each other, um, and we could we could go into that. Um, and, and also currently sort of considering organizing a longevity, longevity hackathon to, to fix like yeah. life sciences. So that's briefly, and you know, outside that I, I worked a little bit in consulting and a little bit as a, as a trainer. I guess a good place to really begin is your viewpoint on experiences with hackathons and more specifically accelerators. So a lot of hackathons have accelerators attached to them. And a lot of founders, especially now, are all over the world, you have millions of accelerators and founders are actively trying to get in accelerators. So what's your viewpoints on accelerators and life after an accelerator? Um, yeah, so, so starting with hackathons, um, I've been part of many myself. 
Um, I think my, my biggest trouble with hackathons is that it feels like um, quite often it doesn't really lead into anything. Um, and, and quite rarely it actually sort of pans out into, into actual companies or, or, or big, bigger projects. Uh, but I, I do love them and uh, like you, like we, you know, uh, previously touched upon that, you know, I also had like the hackathon burnout. Yeah. Um, as for accelerators, um, I'm also a bit skeptical of them <laughs> in terms of their value uh, yeah. to startups. Um, so often to me, it feels like um, it's um, a collection of like TED Talks uh, from business people kind of like in one place, like you hear one talk about this one talk about that and they're actually not even connected like there is no like red thread you're just like thrown into it and like today guys we're talking about business model and then like you know now let's switch to marketing and it doesn't matter if it's relevant to you or not and and like at least to me you know a couple of hackathons that i've been part of and i mean i haven't been part of y combinator or techstars or Mm -hmm. anything like that so maybe those are better uh but the ones i've been part of which is you know i i would say the majority um they are like that um and and um and also after an accelerator it's like okay what, what do you do you know after that it's um you know so it's uh, and and i think like a lot of the knowledge they give is quite basic i think you you can like you can get that by just watching the like y combinator yeah. um lectures on how to start a startup yeah and you would save a lot of time so what do you believe is the biggest value of accelerators could it be could it be the accountability? Um, I'm not so sure because, like, I think even with accountability, it can always, it can often like sidetrack you because it can, you know, it can make you focus on things that actually don't matter. Just because today we have a finance lecture and you need to produce this document like fast, 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 uh, even though it's like, you know, does it even matter? Maybe you actually need to be exploring who your customer is. Yeah. Um, but, but I would say that the biggest value is actually probably community actually. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that's, uh, you know, partly what we are also, you know, uh, doing with growth club, we are saying that we want to create Silicon Valley in the clouds. Um, and you know, if we think of Silicon Valley, um, I think a lot of people have said and and rightfully so that, um, the biggest benefit of Silicon Valley is is that the community, uh, that you, you meet a lot of sort of bright people in, in a narrow sort of space. Um, and, and I think that's partly what, what accelerators also do. Like nowadays, uh, no matter how bad Y Combinator is, but just because it's, it's like Harvard, you know, just because, uh, the entrance level is so, so high, if you get in, you know, there's a sort of survivorship bias there. Yeah. So would you tell founders to really do their research before entering an accelerator? Yeah, and, and also think why why you do that. I find that a lot of startups uh, join accelerators just to get money, um, and it's often not the best way. Um, you know, um, I mean, maybe in, in some circumstances, but I, I think it's a bit twisted. So you need to realize that accelerators is a lot about this sort of like it's like the startup university uh, mm-hmm. that is very condensed and usually like normal university is not very good. Um, so, so, you know, um, I think probably Y Combinator, Techstars, you know, those, those guys, like, I think there is a reason why they deserve their name and their brand. So I think, I think that's a different leak, yeah. uh, but sort of the majority, uh, the rest of them, yeah, do your research, um, understand why you're getting in, um, you know, and, and also think like, um, you know, 
what are you what are you aiming to get out of them and, and also like talk to them like ask them like okay what 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 would you be able to offer me for example i i have this problem this problem this problem how practically would you help me and you know how would you guarantee this many of them promise a lot of things on their website uh like okay we'll connect you to clients but yeah. you know in in reality that that usually doesn't happen so could it be the validity you know social proof if i go through and like you said why combinate and tech stars is a different league but if i go through um i don't know we we have a bunch of bigger accelerators here in the eu that are more yeah. like european based to try and really produce european startups um yeah. like here in the uk we have innovate uk but europe as a whole have pretty big accelerators but doesn't that put a stamp of approval on your startup? And then when you're going to clients or speaking to the media, it, it kind of validates you, even though it didn't really help you. Like we spoke about university, some universities do help you, but it's the fact that you have Harvard on your resume or Oxford on your resume that validates you to employers. Is, it, is that the same thing with accelerators? Yeah, I think that's a good good point. Um, I would, though, like my intuition would be that it's mostly about the time um, of graduation, mostly. So when you have the demo day and there's a lot of hype yeah. and there's investors in the room and you can sort of score the investment right then and there. Yeah. Uh, so I think then it's, it's a stamp because the investors go there because the accelerator already sort of shortlisted, yeah. you know, that instead of going for 300 companies, the investor can look, look at 10. Yeah. Uh, but that's one day. So I, I think if you meet an investor like three months after an accelerator, I'm not sure how relevant that is, you know, like, like, why would they, you know, why would they care, frankly? And I, I think you make a good point about the timing. There's some people and myself, I've done this, gone into accelerators without a product, maybe just a little smidgen on an idea, hardly any research, hardly any testing, and I hope to come out with a product and paying customers. And accelerators don't do any magic for you. But maybe if you have momentum already, an accelerator does exactly what it says and accelerates your momentum that you already have. So like you said, yeah. on, on demo day, you can tell um, the investors that week on week, we have 10%, 20%, 50% user growth. We have X amount of subscribers. And they're saying, okay, this is, we might not invest in you now, but we want you on our radar and see where you are in six months time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I agree. Yeah. And, and again, there are a lot of exceptions. So I've been, for example, part of one accelerator, which was like um, two weeks long. And there were only two guys leading the whole program. And that was actually great because, and, and they had a system. They, they could show you, you know, um, sort of instead of showing you like, hey, there's this tool for this and that tool for that. They, they could show you how things are interconnected. Mm -hmm. And all two weeks were like one sort of long thread that was really integrated with each other. And suddenly you could understand how things fit together and be like, okay, this is the big picture of my business. And I need to work on the business instead of working in the business. So there, there's exceptions. Um, but, but mostly, yeah, um, I, I, I agree with your point. Yeah. And is the hype about accelerators because 
because of the media? Has the media just hyped it up? Is it because companies are using accelerators and hackathons as a PR tool? Because everybody wants to see be seen innovating. Is that what you have seen? Great question, actually. Why? Why is? Why are there so many, and why is it so so big? Especially um, if they're not adding value. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think yeah. Again, like I think they are adding value. It's just um, kind of a question of um, you know how how do you want to spend your time? Yeah. So so there's it's just that if we take the cost of uh, opportunity and you know and how much time you often spend and the relocation mm-hmm. and the whole thing. Uh, so, so considering all that, I would sort of question value. But, but you know, I, I'm not saying that they're completely useless. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, in terms of the emergence, I mean, one one possibility is just so I think it, it is it, it did start, I think, from what I understand from Y Combinator, where they had a bunch of successes. And then, uh, you know, others were like, well, like, this is this is interesting. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think accelerators didn't actually understand like i i've been also like in the article why uh, that that you contacted me because of mm-hmm. i um wrote that i think like the the, the key that white community realized is that it's a lot about community it's a lot about creating that space and community it's not just you know because community you hear this word everywhere and it really like dawned on me when i i was at their website and there was this quote that they think that, that at the core it's about helpfulness so community is about helpfulness. It's about the members helping each other. And, uh, you know, that that's also like something we, we've been trying to sort of recreate in, in Growth Club and it's, it's been working well. Uh, but, uh, and, and they write in the article that, you know, like a lot of, a lot of accelerators sort of copied us without understanding sort of the atlas behind, uh, you know, the thing, which, yeah. which often, which often happens. So I think it, it might be that. It might be the incentives. It might be actually, you know, uh, because, um, as an accelerator, uh, you don't need to invest as much, you know, you don't need to quite often, like, even if you put the money, it's usually a lot less. Uh, so, so maybe it's just actually profitable, you know, that you kind of like, you take a lot of companies, you invest a little bit, at least one of them does something. And then you suddenly own like five to 10% of that company, uh, without sort of uh, kind of like, you know, with being engaged with them for maybe six weeks, uh, yeah. tops, um, um, so, so that could be like, otherwise, like it's not charity, right? Like it, nope. it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't pop up all around if it wouldn't be sort of, um, you know, good for them. Yeah. Um, but then on, on the side of the customer, the, the startup, uh, there's no guarantee that it's, uh, that there is sort of the same value. Um, so, yeah. Let's talk more about community and the community you're building. I've yeah. seen with many hackathons community mm. and this is why i do the podcast community and people is extremely hard you know yeah. i recently i compiled a list of over 500 online communities across reddit facebook whatsapp discord all these tech communities and how it's moderated varies how the participants engage varies very much and you mentioned the keyword from Y combinator helpfulness is that is that something organic can is that artificial does do the community leaders create that culture how do they create that culture how do you create that culture 
it is you know artificial sounds bad but it is artificial <laughs> or, or at least like you know you know you nudge it you intentional nudge maybe direction. I think that's yeah. yeah. I think that's that's um, that's big. So let's. Um, I think we yeah. I'm 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 eager to share a few insights that we discovered yeah. while building it. So I think a lot of communities. You know, you hear this word everywhere, right? And you compile the, the list yeah. of communities. A lot of them is just you know, a Slack Discord channel, and there's like a bunch of people, and most of them don't even visit it. And like, how connected are they really to that community? Um, one thing we do is that we we actually have like a. a our community is actually formed through one-on-one calls. So, so members actually meet each other and, and they, you know, they, they all sort of interact with each other. So that, that already brings it to a whole new level. That suddenly it's not just let me sort of spam this thread and then you know, maybe someone replies and maybe we get a conversation, but usually not. Uh, so that's one, uh, which is really kind of like a simple, simple thing. Helpfulness, yes, for sure. So I think that's actually at the core. So uh, when we were starting it, why why we started it? Um, so it was a friend of mine uh, who is the founder of Golf Club, and he was like, "I'm looking for a coach, uh, but I can't afford one. Uh, so what what should what should I do?" And and then uh, he had an idea of like, "What if we just you know uh, collect people who are looking for coaches where they can coach each other? So you would have like half an hour. I'm coaching you, and then you're coaching me because coaching sort of there's a lot of understanding of coaching, but." One of it is not about being a mentor, being someone who knows more, but just being a person who provides new perspective, a person who asks a different question. And that is something that even peers can do for each other. So that's where it started from. And we actually started doing it just for a collection of friends. So we were doing it in Helsinki with like people we know, uh, like for free, you know, just, just matching people. And uh, we liked it so much that we were like, at, at some point he was like, and, and he's a, an entrepreneur and he was thinking about his new thing. And he was like, hmm, like maybe let's turn it into a business. Like it seems really valuable. And we wanted to focus on something. So that's why we, we focused on the entrepreneurs in particular. But but we are also considering, you know, could it be could there be a community for salespeople in, in the future where you know salespeople interact with each other and help each other? Could there be a community for uh, you know life scientists, um, you know, any, anything, accountants, you know, where, where there's a community of people who can interact, share their learnings, um, stuff like that. Um, and with helpfulness, it's a lot about small things. So, for example, you know, there's a lot of like um, apps that allow you to talk to people uh, in calls. Uh, but we we go f- one step further. Instead of just having a call, there is suddenly a structure for the meeting as well. So one thing we do is that we say it's half an hour on you and half an hour on him. So it's like a 50-50 distribution. So that already makes it equal. It makes people to remember, okay, there's a timer. I need to switch. And then what we do is that we try to nudge the conversation a little bit. So we say, hey, here's the agenda. Like, um, you know, um, ask what the goal of the person is. Ask what they're working on right now. Think if you could, you know, um, what their next steps are. Help them to commit to it. And then also we try to provide them tools. Like, okay, this is like five questions you can ask if they feel stuck or something, you know. This is five questions you can ask for that. This is an exercise that could help them with prioritization. So also nudging people with these different uh, psychological developmental frameworks where where people can sort of ut- utilize that. Um, yeah, so that's um, that that's been our experience sort of in in a, in a nutshell. Um, you and um, and also like the selectiveness. Yeah, I think this is another big thing. Um, we are really selective. So it's not just, you know, like, even though, so we, we charge money from our members. So that's, that's one thing, but even beyond that, we say no to people, 
you know, if, if they don't fit our profile. And one of the things we do is that we want early stage founders, but we want them to be working on their startup already. And we want them already to have some revenue. So they're seriously involved. They're actually committed and that everyone is more or less on the same page. So like the average MRR monthly recurring revenue for our members is like around 5,000 uh, euros. Um, so, so that, and, and every new member, uh, founder, Max, he meets them every new member. So he has the first session is always with him. Uh, you, I made lots of notes just from what you were saying. So I'll go through from the top to bottom. You touched <laughs> on, uh, you initially touched on two interesting points. And I think about this in the Facebook groups I'm in. I'm in Facebook groups with literally thousands of developers. And what yep. you get is shallow, high volume relationships. And I don't mean shallow yep. as in people only care about themselves tight shallow. I just mean our relationship is, is surface level. Maybe if I see your name, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm in a group with him, but I don't really know you. I don't really have a connection with you, but that's what you're going to get with thousands of people in a group. That's what you're going to get at a hackathon with hundreds of people. You're not really going to get deep, meaningful relationships, which is what you're fostering. Uh, with Grow Club, deep, meaningful relationships. But exactly. to do deep, meaningful relationships, you can't go for high volume. You kind of have to go for low volume and be selective, like you said. Yep. One thing that I... I mean, you, you can also have a higher volume and just that because of the one-on-one interactions, um, you, you can actually have a lot of members. And, and we think that, you know, as we scale, so we now have like a few, you know, a few dozen members, uh, but as we as we scale, uh, that would actually only be beneficial because we would be able to match people better uh, based on their interests, based on their similarity, things like that. So, you know, because the, the interactions is still one on one. So it's like you can have a big community, but still sort of intimate relationships. So it's, it's then about clustering that community. So instead of having one community, we would have like, oh, suddenly there's a, you know, a bunch of people who are working on product market fit. Let's put them in one group. Yeah. Or there's a bunch of people who are, you know, thinking they should uh, be in an accelerator or they're already in an accelerator. Let's put them in one group. So, yeah. This is, I think this will be amazing for community organizers. Like I said, yeah. there's, the, and even hackathon organizers. So a hackathon typically is a three-day event, but yeah. there's some hackathon organizers that try to do it annually. They do it annually, but they don't nurture the community throughout the year. They just do, you know, around summertime, they might do one and then the next year they'll do one and next year, but they don't nurture that community throughout out the year. They don't, like you said, match people together. Maybe is this a full time, is this a full time job for somebody? Can somebody do that on the side or because it's, it's a lot of, it sounds like a lot of work. Um, yeah, so I mean, we have a tech product, right? So I think it's it's a lot of like, you can theoretically do it. Yeah, I think like if you would do it without any sort of uh, code and, and like, you know, no tech at all, then it's basically a full-time job. And, and even then I'm not sure how it would work because I think the small details matter. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that there is an agenda, the fact that we nudge the conversations, the fact that there's, you know, these little things, the automated emails, made it scheduling. Um, so yeah, and, and we were actually thinking we've been approached by like a couple of communities. We've been thinking like, okay, do we want to go into like the B2B sort of say space, like and sort of sell to accelerators, to like hackathons, to communities. 
Um, so far, we've been more focused on the B2C space where it's just, you know, mostly for individuals who want to join our community that we yeah. are creating. Uh, but it could theoretically also be, I think, uh, you, you, you like spotted it right. And we, we already kind of testing it with one accelerator uh, right now where the idea is like, okay, you, you finished an accelerator, great, but you, you formed these connections. Let's not lose them. You already have so much trust. Why not continue talking? Why not continue helping each other once in a while? you know, meet, meeting once in a while, et cetera. And, and many founders, they kind of met through an accelerator, but not really, uh, but yeah. they already have something in common. So there is already a fun, fun you know, a basement for, to build on. So, yeah. And the last point that you touched on that I thought was particularly interesting was the onboarding, onboarding yeah. people to your community. It's not just a Slack yeah. link. It's not just a WhatsApp link that I click or a Discord server link where I click and I join and maybe there's a bot that that tells me oh welcome and the rules no there's a you're speaking to somebody just like you would do with a technical product in a startup or just like you would do you know you sign up to some SaaS companies and they have somebody call you and you're actually speaking to a real person but taking that high level customer success strategy and implementing that to your community yeah i think that's crucial exactly yeah um and and even with many products you don't do that just because you have like way too many clients and way too many customers but i think with something like community you know even if you have like really high ambitions and there's a lot of demand i i think you need to screen people because um you know yeah otherwise it, it it doesn't it doesn't really work um, like you need to, you know, you need to see if the people fit, fit the culture of they, and, and we already kind of like, because we've met all these people, we also have a feeling of like what this community is about. We know that, okay, our value is helpful. As you know, in the call, we see like, does this person actually also give me advice or do they also only expect sort of to get something from me? Uh, you know, we, we see kind of like, okay, you know, how, how, how involved are they in the business? Are they actually sort of full time in it? Are they, you know, breathing and living it? Um, things like that. And yeah. I think that a lot of those points are very, very interesting. And I think we're going to go on to more interesting points now when we talk about some of your work that you're trying to do with life longevity and some of your views on AI. So I'm not going to make any assumptions or try to abstract from any writing out there. Do you want to open and tell us, Tell us some of your views on those topics. Yeah, this is actually probably <laughs> the first time I'm making it public, so it's not oh, okay. like, um, much. Like I, I just wrote on LinkedIn that I'm yeah. a longevity fan, but I, I didn't like this project is uh, still kind of like uh, in, in the hoods, um that we're only now starting. But um, so the idea is to create a hackathon mm-hmm. for um, longevity sciences and life sciences. And the reasoning is, so we, we are, you know, a couple of friends, uh, we all believe that um, we deserve to live a healthier life, um, you know, and, and um, essentially longevity is about eradicating disease and um, aging, we believe, and, you know, a bunch of scientists also believe is, is a disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, we, we think that it's, it, it would be great if we have a choice instead mm-hmm. of like suffering and the rest of our, you know, and the end of our lives. And longevity is not only about prolonging life, it's also about quality of life. It's mm-hmm. also about, it, or it is primarily about that, about living a better life. Um, and currently sort of the, the research um, is, um, 
it's sort of the tools they're using um, could uh, could be let's say they're suboptimal. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there is you know the, the the work they do with data. It's kind of like uh, okay, there's there's this like uh, program from the '90s that someone is using, and then they have to use that. And then if someone wants to do the same thing, they have to use the same program because there's yeah. no compatibility with other things. And the data is here and there, and it's it's a mess. So we were like, okay, you know, we're not researchers ourselves, we're not scientists, but could we be helpful as, you know, entrepreneurs, as tech people, um, you know, with what we do best, with providing tools? Uh, and it's surprising, but it's really outdated. So we were like, okay, what if we connect these two groups of people, the entrepreneurs and tech people, with the researchers, um, and and see, you know, what, how can we, you know, push the ball forward, really? Um, and, um, yeah, so we're currently sort of, uh, planning, planning the hackathon, essentially, if anyone <laughs> watching this and you're, uh, like a longevity researcher, we're at the stage where we're trying to understand the problems. So we're talking to researchers, uh, and trying to understand what is at the core, you know, what are your really, and, and there's a lot of challenges even beyond just the tools, even with things like paywalls, you know, that research is behind paywalls yeah. to, you know, like the incentives of the institutions, to you know, discrimination in, in the dis- institutions. So a variety of variety of issues. So we we're eager to hear about all the problems, and you know, the hackathon. It doesn't only have to include coding. It can be you know anything. Yeah. It's about coming up with solutions, and we want to have something global, something where we would want to invite the leading researchers. Uh, let's see if we succeed in that. But I I, I hope we would manage. Uh, so we invite the leading like longevity and life science researchers there. And uh, yeah, have have it have have something like a global sort of event, a global movement. Have something really big. I definitely um, got people I can introduce you to that yeah. want to do a similar thing in the space. That'd one thing, cool. one thing that yeah. I'm definitely interested in talking about is interdisciplinary projects. You know, yeah. we talk about academia highly, highly siloed, and as a PhD candidate, you understand how siloed it is. And yeah. like you, you spoke about the incentives and especially when it comes to funding and, you know, all this different stuff. We, that's a whole nother conversation when we talk about academia. But when, when you spoke about community and when you spoke about Growth Club, you was highly selective on a particular demographic of founders. And when I say demographic, I more mean how much money they were making and for, for their business and stuff like that. But when it comes to interdisciplinary work, that that's very different, right? You might get lawyers that come in and they only speak lawyer language and you might get engineers that only speak engineer language. And now you need a facilitator to kind of bridge the gap between the two or help each other see. And this this is why I do the podcast and speak to organizers because organizers are the facilitators. So in your view, what is the facilitator role whether it's a team leader lead researcher hackathon organizer or community organizer like yourself um well i mean in in this regard it is indeed um you know like if we are organizing the hackathon it's our responsibility to make sure that um that the understanding is present there and that Mm -hmm. we you know achieve the best results we can uh, we, we're not yet sure, actually, like in terms of the screening, how how we're gonna go about it. Like, mm-hmm. do we wanna um, go for like companies, you know, like existing companies? Do we wanna go for like that anyone can participate at all from all the fields? So, like, we're not yet sure how how you know what's where are we on the spectrum there in terms of like the restrictions. 
um, because it is a tricky spectrum as well. Yeah. So like diversity is tricky because the more diverse you are, the harder it is to also like bring people together and, yeah. and actually have something meaningful. And one thing for us, we don't want to just make a hackathon. So we, mm-hmm. we actually want, um, you know, we, we want uh, to get um, projects running after this. And we, we were even thinking, okay, should we have an accelerator? Should we have a like as you know, like as the next step? So uh, probably the first one, we're, we're going to just do the hackathon. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but like, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that um, it actually turns into, into real projects because there is no point <laughs> in kind of like coming there for a weekend, uh, inviting this really, you know, famous researchers, um, spending everyone's time and then coming up with just fun. Um, or, or at least for us, like we are quite results oriented. Um, so, so that's, and that's the way it comes to facilitation. So who do you need? Do you need the lawyer? So that's something we would need to, to see. And, yeah. and that's why we are starting with the problem. So we're not starting with bringing people together and be like, let's see what happens. So we, we're going to start with like, okay, what are the real problems we want to solve? Let's, let's focus. Let's say, okay, mm-hmm. one problem, second problem, third problem. That's it. Or, you know, or even just one. So that's why we're now really extensively talking to researchers, and that's that's our first step. And that's a very different take, uh, because, you know, if you're, I don't know, if you're fintech, fintech's relatively mature now, but if in the early days of, let's say, Bitcoin, with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, the early development teams and person, unknown person and teams, whatever. If you let's take let's say you take Ethereum. In the early days, they didn't know they needed marketing. I think the biggest thing against cryptocurrencies is the marketing and PR. It's not the technology. The technology is the technology. Like the technology is almost you can argue is is equivalent to every other technology out there. Maybe even better, you can make those arguments. The thing that's against it is the marketing and PR. And the teams didn't know they needed those people. That's why I asked the question about, okay, do you bring the lawyer to the table not knowing whether or not you need them, but it's their experience and knowledge that helps because they can foresee stuff that you wouldn't even fathom would be a problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we didn't go in depth yet on that topic, but my quick take, um, and I might be biased as an entrepreneur myself, <laughs> is that, you know, the, I think Peter Drucker, and I don't like respect him, I just like the quote, <laughs> uh, who said, I mean, maybe he's a great guy, I just haven't yeah. read, um, uh, who said that um, every business has basically two functions, uh, innovation and marketing. <laughs> and uh, so, so from that perspective, um, I think what we need there is um, like the minimum that I foresee is um, researchers, life sciences, longevity, they are the client. They're the customer providing the problem, the challenge, and really seeing does it fit together. So mm-hmm. they're, they're sort of the, the product owner almost. Um, and, um, and on that end, we have, you know, the tech people uh, in case there's sort of like uh, the technological solutions that have to be made, um, whether that's working with data, applications, things like that. And then we have the entrepreneurs who are handling the business side of things. So the marketing side. So the, the tech people handling the innovation, um, the, the entrepreneurs handling well both innovation and, and marketing in that, in that regard. And I absolutely agree. So, so marketing, 
I think marketing is even harder. Yeah, but I, you, but I particularly I'm find more, it hard. I'm more of a marketing person than I'm the tech person, so I might be biased. But um, I think marketing is a lot harder uh, than yeah. tech um, yeah. in, in, in startups and entrepreneurship. And that's that's one thing we would want to get right uh, in, in the hackathon as well. It's not about building a solution. It's building a solution that is feasible, viable, and you know desirable. Yeah. And so you you mentioned you mentioned researchers, you mentioned technologists, and you mentioned entrepreneurs. So that's yep. a kind of triangle. Two yep. of those three are typically. I don't want to use elite as an overarching term, but if you're in technology, <laughs> if you're in technology, you have access to things most of the world don't have access to mm-hmm. if yeah. you're in research you have access and you're in academia you you've been fortunate enough to go to university maybe do a postgraduate degree maybe teach you've been fortunate enough we didn't speak about the regular people so when you especially when you talk about life longevity which is human populations it's not just something that's being used for like a small group of researchers it's nice to do research on you know we're playing, we're playing with, I don't know, we're looking at the stars and, and, and I, I don't, I don't want to demean people's professions and <laughs> academic interests, but there's some things that are more theoretical than others. But when you talk about life longevity, the purpose of it is very practical. And if you don't have the public there making, de- not making decisions, but contributing, then it's almost for null. Because you might develop something between entrepreneurs, technologists and researchers and the public really don't want it. And, you know, yeah. the I, I, I keep coming back to this term, but the elite and I, I'm in that category, by the way, because I'm I'm, I'm a <laughs> postgraduate student and I'm a developer. So I, I don't know. I'm not the richest, but <clears throat> if I had money, I'll, I'll be probably considered elite elite. But I'm in that category, but I also understand it can be difficult, especially developing product. And you probably experienced this too. You might develop a great product and it just doesn't connect with the people, but they wasn't involved in it from the beginning. So what's your views, especially on life longevity? Because yeah. I I never realized until uh, I, I did my undergraduate in the US. So I was in the US for, for a set. I worked there too. So I was there for seven years and I didn't think the U S was as religious as it was. And I was in the South too, but the U S is extremely religious. Then you look at the world and the world is extremely religious and religion has a certain view on life. (laughs) And when it comes to life longevity, a lot of those views can conflict. Yeah, true. Um, Yeah. Really good point. Um, I think there's a few sort of angles here. Um, one of them, um, so the last thing you, you touched upon is that lo- um, longevity has sort of an ethical um, sort of uh, layer to it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, um, um, so, so like at least initially when we we're discussing it, um, the idea for us, for the hackathon is more, um, so that the customer is the, the researcher. Mm-hmm. And in a way, um, they they are the end user actually. So we're not we're not advi- we are not designing 
sort of we're not making anyone live forever uh, in the hackathon. <laughs> yeah. We are rather designing tools for researchers. So it's it's tools for research, tools mm-hmm. for science, and whether science is ethical or not. It's kind of like beyond probably the scope of the event. So yeah. that's something that you know. This um, I've heard there's a shutdown STEM movement. So that's kind of like I'll we'll leave that yeah. to those people. Like I'm generally not sort of not a fan of that. But yeah. you know, um, so um, yeah. So, so our our goal is more kind of like the, the 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 end user is actually not not the people, but actually just researchers. Uh, so it's a bit mm-hmm. a bit strange in that regard. But the goal is to to fix fix uh, science, fix life science. Um, and um, nonetheless, um, yeah, so the ethical questions are really important nonetheless. And mm-hmm. I, um, we, we are considering like, should we, you know, should we have like a part of the event that is actually just focused on that? Yeah. Um, and the reason is because there's a more practical um, application of that um, sort of ethical things, not just mm-hmm. should we do it or should we not, uh, because we, we we are quite confident that it is a good thing. We're quite confident that living a longer and better life is a good thing. Like it's mm-hmm. sort of saying no to longevity to us is the same as saying like no to a treatment. When a person mm-hmm. is sick and we're like, no, you can't get, can't get treated. But that does Asana, happen though. You, you deserve it, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that does. So, uh, and we're, and also like you mentioned Ukraine, I'm in London. Europe is very different to the US or South America yeah. or the well, US the, is generally yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. or we, the Middle East and there are people that say no to treatment because it's against yeah. their religious beliefs True. it's it's True. definitely when you get into that it's definitely interesting but i think you have a brilliant point about the ethical side and maybe a segment just for ethics and i wonder could that be extended to all hackathons you know we you know, you think about mm. Airbnb. There's there's lots of countries that don't let Airbnb in, in there in all certain areas because it disrupts the local housing market. That's an ethical yeah, problem. Yeah. But you know we that's don't really, we we don't yeah, think about and I I when we think about life sciences we more we had the ethical ethics written into it because it's academia and we're doing research and we're we're dealing with biology and chemistry but you know facebook has run into ethical problems you know or really any kind of innovative solution chances are you're going to run into ethical challenges but we we typically don't think of of ethics across the board of innovation we think of it in terms of life sciences so do you think yeah, let me finish my point why I think that's actually important. So why I was saying that why we should have that um, from a really practical standpoint. So one is just the ethical what you said, and I actually like really brilliant point. But the other one is actually like communication. Mm-hmm. So if we want people to get on board with it, we need to find a common ground. Yeah. And we're not going to be able to find. So, so a big part of the longevity um, sort of what's stopping longevity is is the fact that a lot of people are still sort of spooked by it and think yeah. that death is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so, so, so the question is like, okay, can we, can we find a common ground there? Yeah. Can we, can we work together? So yeah, exactly. Exactly. And by the way, just as a side, a fun side note, um, I, I'm, 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 I doubt that there would be many listeners in, uh, from Helsinki here, or maybe from my network when I share this, yeah. but <laughs> I'm organizing um, um, an event um, at my sort of place, um, actually one tomorrow. 
um, but I'm organizing once in a while uh, that I call Interesting Conversation Society. Mm-hmm. And so we pick three topics. Usually one of them is like either philosophy or ethics. One of mm-hmm. them is like personal fears, dreams, and then prepare like a few questions mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and really discuss them. And um, I organized the first one a few weeks ago and the sort of like the feedback was just incredible. Mm-hmm. People were like, whoa, this is so <laughs> good. Like, please do it again. And I like I didn't expect that kind of feedback. But it's like that could be a template. Yeah. I even published an article on my LinkedIn. Yeah. It's currently oh, featured in my profile. Uh, so if anyone is interested, um, like feel free to copy the concept. I would love more of such events. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. developers.